your Locked On Avalanche, your daily podcast on the Colorado Avalanche. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Avalanche fans, welcome to the Locked On Avalanche podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Chris Maselli, with another episode of the podcast dedicated to your Colorado Avalanche, and today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar and BuiltBar.com. And coming up on the show today, three players who I think could have breakout seasons for the Colorado Avalanche in the 2020-2021 season, or it might just be the 2021 season if it's not starting until January. But you get the idea. So three players who I think can have breakout seasons, and I'm using air quotes for breakout because it could mean something different for each one of those players. I'll explain everything. So we'll get to that. We will talk about the the lines that have been thrown around are, you know, with Brandon Saad in the mix. I even posted something about possible lines, but we know that Jared Bednar likes to change things up a lot. So we'll go over... Some maybe just different line changes he might experiment with. So we'll go over that and our poll to hand out our season grade to Val Nachuskin for the 2019-2020 season is in the books, and we will get to that as well. So first things first, follow the show on social media outlets, Twitter, LOPN underscore Avalanche. It's also where we do our voting for these season grades. On Instagram, search for Lockdown Avalanche and send any questions, comments, concerns, and or opinions to LockdownAvalanche at gmail.com. So, all right. Our roster, with the exception of Devin Taves, is pretty much all set. We just have to get through uh, arbitration with him and Kyle Burrows. But other than that, Avalanche most likely done with their wheeling and dealing, and uh, as, as far as the NHL team goes. So we know what we have. We know what our roster looks like. So having said that, every year you look for those guys that really make the jump and really have a great season that you weren't anticipating. And not to say that they are at like, but you didn't expect this from them. They have been kind of like laying in the weeds maybe or just haven't been that household name. And then all of a sudden they have a a year for the ages for themselves maybe that put them on the map, that get them that next contract that, you know, ups their, their value. There's a lot of different ways you can look at the word breakout. And that's what I mean by when I go over these three players who I have who I think really could have breakout seasons. It's different. The the term breakout for for these guys is different for each one of them. And for one, you might think, well, that doesn't make sense. He's, you know, already an all-star. Another, you will probably say, okay, I could see that happening. And the last, you'll say you're nuts. So uh, the, I guess I'll start with the one who you would say, okay, I could see that happening. And that's Andre Burkowski. I think the deal that he signed, he's happy with that deal, but I think he wants more. And the way that he does that is in these next two years, really show what he's made of and just go all out. And I keep going back to that 
article that was written. I don't remember who wrote it. It might not even have been one person. I think it was on the newswire for the Avalanche where Nathan McKinnon had told Burkowski, just shoot the puck. You have the skill, just shoot the puck. And hearing that from someone of Nathan McKinnon's caliber, he started to do it and he started to see some benefits, but he still had, you know, ups and downs. There were times where he had disappeared for a little while. All in all, for a first season with a new team, I think he he had a, a good season. Now that he knows he's going to be there for two years, that's, you know, this is not a five, six, or seven year deal. I think it benefits him that it's a two year deal because now he knows he doesn't have room to really have these highs and lows because his next contract, if he does what he's supposed to do, will be his big one. So he needs to get off the ball or get off the mark right from the first puck drop in the first game. And I feel like he is going to have a season that make people say, whoa, where did this guy come from? Now, last year, uh, and, and again, like you have to think outside of avalanche circles with, with when I use the term like breakout. Because, yeah, I think people within avalanche circles know Burkowski can score, but he hasn't done it to a level where other people in the league are like, how did Colorado get that guy? How did he slip through the cracks? And how would Washington give him up in a trade? And they're still waiting for that to happen. And I think it could. There's been times where he played on the top line. So last year, 58 games played, 20 goals, 25 assists. That's 45 points. That that was his high. That's his career high. So is it possible for him to get 60, 65 points? Is 70? I mean, 70 is not quite doubling. But now that we're expecting him to play on a second line, which, again, I'll get to in the next segment, with Saad and Kadri, that's a better line. There's going to be times where he gets bumped up into the first line. Is it out of the realm of possibility that Burkowski could hit 70 points? That is, I think, the high for him. But I think he has the capability to do that. And that would be a breakout season for him. So he's definitely one. Uh, The other is an all-star already. So his term of breakout, and this is for Miko Rantanen. Miko Rantanen breaking out is what I I would almost compare it to, like, you know, Leon Dreisaitl to Connor McDavid. We know in avalanche circles what Miko Rantanen can do and what he is capable of, what he has shown. And so the last, let's see, so he had 84 points in 17, 18, 87 and 18 and 19. And then with the injuries, he only had 41 last year. I think not that people have forgotten about him, but because you have Nathan McKinnon, because you had Kale McCarr, he's kind of like the forgotten all-star. And even though he only had 41 points, he played 42 games. He's almost still putting up a point a game. And the season where he, the season, bef- I think it was the season right before that, and in, in when he had 87 and 18, 19, he was leading the league in points for a good chunk of that season. And once he got overtaken by McDavid and Dreisaitl, it was, you know, that was it. He could, he could reach the point of being on the level of somebody like Leon Dreisaitl if he can put a complete season together. 
that's what you want to see out of Miko Rantanen. So when I say breakout for him, I mean breakout on the large scale, not just within the Colorado Avalanche. I mean the league and and the casual fan could know the name Miko Rantanen. They probably heard it here and there, and when they say, oh, he plays for the Colorado Avalanche, it's followed up like, oh, yeah, that's the team that Nathan McKinnon plays for. I'm not saying he's going to overtake Nathan McKinnon. I don't think anybody will for a very long time on this team, but he could be known as the dynamic duo that's going head-to-head with Nate McKinnon as the points leader on this team. I firmly believe that. And playing on a line with Nathan McKinnon, there's no reason to believe he could not top 100, even 110 points on a season easily. So his breakout, quote-unquote, is different than Burkowski's. I think Burkowski's is more internal, bleeding towards the external, and I think Rantanen's is league-wide and kind of like has this season from beginning to end that's just like, whoa, that puts him on the map in full. And last, you, the, the player that you're going to be like, what the heck are you talking about? Tyson Jost. Tyson Jost is, you, you would have to say it is do or die for him. And kind of like Burkowski, where Burkowski is probably going to go all out, so he can get that next contract that will bump him up to his over his 4.3 or 4.4 that he's making now, which is good. Jost is fighting for survival. And sometimes when you get into that mode, you the best comes out in you. Now, I am not going to sit here and say Tyson Jost is going to be, you know, at Burkowski's level of scoring where it's possible he could hit like 70. If Tyson Jost can play the way that maybe some people have expected him to play, being the 10th overall draft pick, maybe finally putting things together, maybe with his back up against the wall, he comes out swinging, knowing that he's on a one-year deal, and if he doesn't do anything, uh, his you know, ticket out of Denver is punched. He very well could have a breakout season for Tyson Jost. What would that look like? Well, so far, he's at least consistent. <laughs> Forget his 16-17 his, uh, season when he had one point in six games. After that, 22 points, 26 points, 23 points. So he's low to mid-20s. And again, being on an elite team... Probably playing fourth line minutes. I get that. But if injuries come into play, we are all familiar with injuries. And maybe he does start playing better if they bump him up into the third line. And these are all ifs. These are all big ifs. Could he have a career year where he's looking at 35 points? Sure. Uh, I mean... And if he keeps, you know, if he keeps it going, puts it, keeps keeps his foot on the pedal and keeps his foot on the gas, is there an outside shot at 40 points? I, I mean, he would have to have, if he scores 40 points in a season, Avalanche are signing him to a multi-year deal. Do I see that happening? Let me be clear. The way he's played, there's nothing that points in the direction that he could be a 40-point goal scorer, uh, point scorer. But all I'm saying is the, everything is there for him to have to do something like that for the Avalanche to really take a hard look at him and say, like, okay, we gave him a one-year deal, and he performed. And I'm also not saying anything less than that 
the avalanche wouldn't be like, uh, all right, we're moving on. If he can get over 30, if he can get over a 30-point season playing fourth-line minutes and, and maybe bumping up to third-line minutes, I think that's a, a, a breakout season for Tyson Jost. Again, not anything that is league-wide that people are going to be like, oh, wow, let's give him the heart trophy. Clearly not. But considering where he's going to be playing, the line he's going to be playing on, you know, you're not going to get 40 points out of a fourth liner, you know. But because he might be coming up and down the lines, who knows with injuries, how he's playing now, he's mid-20s, he could easily get over 30 points in a season. So would that be a breakout season for him? Depending on the term, breakout. Who knows? So those are three guys that I think could really, uh, really kind of break out on a big scale and on a small scale for the Colorado Avalanche. So let me know what uh, you guys think of that. Lockdownavalanche at gmail.com. All right. Let's get to our advertiser for the day. And it is from best-selling authors of The Daily Stoic. It comes the ultimate stoicism guide to success, resilience, and virtue to accept what you cannot control and adapt to what you can. Sports teams across the country are applying this popular philosophy by using stoicism's key idea that you control how you respond and play. You don't control what the refs and fans do or how the ball bounces. It's all about what you did to adapt. The book is called Lives of the Stoics, the Art of of living from Zeno to Marcus Aurelius is available now wherever books are sold. All right. So let's talk about these lines. You know, uh, a lot of people, myself included, think the way the lines are going to go is, you know, the Landeskog McKinnon Rantanen line as your top line. Obviously people are putting Saad, Kadri and Burkowski together. Third line looking like Nechuskin, Comfer and Donskoy. Fourth line looking like Calvert, Belmar, Jost. Some people say Cow. Some people say O'Connor. Well, for the sake of the argument, because I just talked about him in the first segment, saying how he could have a breakout year for him, we'll put Tyson Jost in there for now. <clears throat> but one thing we know about Jared Bednar is he likes to change these lines up all the time. And, you know, like any coach, if, if a line is struggling, you'll make moves. If a line, if you'd want to give the other team a different look, you'll change lines. So what could these lines look like as the season goes on? I don't think, you know, we're we're not going to have the MGM line number one all year long. Who would bounce up and down? Nathan McKinnon, I don't think will ever bounce down to the second line for reasons. We've seen Landeskog go down to the second line. We've seen Rantanen go down to the second line. If second line, if that were to happen, Say either one of those two guys, Landeskog or Rantanen, go down to the second line. Who comes up? You would have to think Burkowski. Uh, I, and I think there were moments where Burkowski and McKinnon worked really, really well together. McKinnon and Rantanen work amazingly together. That they, they are like inside each other's minds. It's incredible. Bringing Burkowski up to that line, I don't think you lose much if you bring Landeskog down to that line, to the second line. Bringing Landeskog down to the second line makes that line better. So would you keep Saad, Kadri, Landeskog? Would you even move Brandon Saad? I think when we inherited Brandon Saad, traded for him, people were automatically throwing him on that second line. 
myself included. And I think when the puck drops on game one, that's where he'll be. But is it not out of the realm of possibility to drop him down even into the third line? Not because he's not capable of playing second line minutes. I think that's clearly where he's going to be and where the majority of his minutes will come. But you drop him down to the third to to make that third line stronger. And you move who? Nichuskin up to the second line. Donskoy up to the second line. You've made your your second line. So say it's Nichuskin. Say it's Nichuskin, Kadri, Burkowski. That's a good line. That's a strong line with Kadri and his grit and Burkowski and his scoring and Nichuskin and his defense. That's a really solid line. And then you bring Saad down to three. So you got Saad, Comfer, and Donskoy. Saad pretty much makes that line formidable. Because right now, with, with Nechuskin, Confer, and Donskoy, eh, that, I mean, that that's a good third line, don't get me wrong. But just trading those two guys out, Saad for, say, Nechuskin, I, th- I think you have one of the better lines, third lines, in the league. Now, Cal- I have Calvert, Belmar, Jost on the fourth line. You could bring Matt Calvert up to the third. And you could even bring any one of those guys down to the fourth in terms of Nechuskin and Donskoy. The point being here is the Avalanche hat can can maneuver so many guys around and not because they're not playing well. That'll probably happen at times throughout the season, but you can mix and match these lines to make a specific line better. Brandon Saad, we're assuming he's a second liner, and he is a second liner. And like I said, bringing him down to the third is not a punishment to him. It's almost saying you, we, we need you to make, to fortify this third line and have other teams be fearful of your third line. Mm-hmm. And even know that your fourth line is a formidable line. So it's a scary, scary thing when you can do that, when you can mix and match and even bring somebody like Burkowski up to the top line and like, okay, you're bringing him up to the top line. Well, who who's replacing Burakovsky? Oh, Nathan, uh, excuse me, Gabriel Landeskog? Oh, okay. So you guys really didn't drop that much in talent going from, you know, your first line to your second line, even from your second line to your third line. This is a scary team, people. I mean, and, and we've talked about it. I talked about it on the NHL show that I played the clip on yesterday, and they, you know, they're, they're the Vegas odds on favorite for a reason. And this is one of the big reasons. This is not just these lines are solidified. These lines are fluid. You can maneuver people anywhere you want. And no matter what you do, teams are going to have a hard time matching up against the Colorado Avalanche. And this, it also could be something where you are changing these lines depending on your opponent. You know, you got, I, I mean, they're looking different this year, but Vegas, had, that's why Vegas was a very strong team. They had three solid lines. And now you might have to mix and match something to match them. But again, their team is going to look very different depending on who the heck they can sign. Point being, you you are going to mix and match your opponent and make it difficult for them to match up with you. And the Avalanche have that capability. It's scary.
it's something very scary. And on our end, I'm glad we don't have to deal with it. We're putting it on them. All right, one word from Built Bar, and then we will get to our poll for Val Nachuskin. So, Built Bar, talk about it all the time. It is a great tasting and healthy, nutritious energy and protein bar. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. It's great for the health-conscious guy or girl. Lose and or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. Great for the keto diet. And just going to throw some nutrition facts out at you. The, the Built Bar bars without nuts have 130 calories. Some other bars have as many as 250 calories. Fat content, Built Bar has 2.5 grams of fat. Other bars have high as 10 grams of fat. Net carbs... Four grams of net carbs for Built Bar. You can find up to 38 grams of net carbs in other bars. Sugar, the big one, four grams of sugar in Built Bar. Some other bars you might know of, 21 grams of sugar. They have six grams of fiber and 17 grams of protein. These bars are made to be healthy for you. Go to builtbar.com right now. Use the promo code locked on and you will get 20% off of your next order. Once again, builtbar.com. Use the promo code locked on and 20% comes off of your first order at builtbar.com. All right. Down the Juskin. His poll is up. It has run. It is completed. And pretty pretty resounding here for his grade got everything except for dear F, which I am happy about that. And we had a good amount of comments for him. And for the most part, they were positive. So as far as the voting goes, 25% said a 68% said B and 7% said C. So a, a pretty clear cut B grade for Donna in his first season with the avalanche. So some of the comments, uh, Sick Lux, I believe. I, I can never pronounce the uh, middle name, but uh, says he gives him an A because I seriously doubt he has any more to give. If the Avs get two more cookie-cutter years with last season's level of play, I'd be thrilled. I think he maxed out on his actual potential, not his pre-draft hype. I think I, there, there is some truth to that, but I do think Nuchuskin has a little bit more to give. Um, and I'll get into that once I get through these these comments. Uh, I'll explain why. So, uh, Bleeding Burgundy and Blue says, I gave him a solid B, but honestly, considering what he was expected to bring at the beginning of the season, he probably deserves an A. Rebecca says, he was incredible during the regular season. Unfortunately, he slowed down a bit in the playoffs. Wasn't quite as tenacious as I really think we needed him to be against Dallas. Good things happen when he plays hard. Very good words. I agree with that. Uh, at your guy, Steven said a minus picked up with uh, much scrutiny and little expectations. He became a revolution enjoying a career resurgence, including a top five Selkie finish. We cannot forget about that part too. Val did everything that was asked of him in 2019, 2020, even racked up impressive offensive numbers in, de- in December and January while the injuries piled up. Uh, Lothar says, I expected more from him in the playoffs. He gave him a C. So Lothar is going heavily on the playoff aspect of things. Uh, 
Uh, Fireman Nick, 1992, says, For what was expected of him, he overachieved. And the Oily Travelers said, Excellent year and a slightly disappointing playoff. I truly expected him to kill it in the playoffs 10 to 11 points in 15 games. And that clearly did not happen. So uh, you see a theme here. Um, and there's one more from Spoon9Z. Said Val exceeded expectations with the abs after seriously underachieving in Dallas. As the 10th pick of the Nate McKinnon draft, B-plus for me as I give any player able to reinvent themselves a ton of credit, especially in this case. The man played his role here quite well. So like I said, you you get a theme here. Overachieved, resurgence, didn't play well in the playoffs, did more than what was expected of him. Uh, and people, you know, he, he's a likable guy. He is a he's kind of like a quiet giant. Uh, he's a big boy, um, and and you just root for guys like this. So, stats wise, um, you know, let's see his his season. Sixty five games played, thirteen goals, fourteen assists, twenty seven points. That's not a career high for him. A career high was obviously his rookie season when he scored thirty four points. Um, would he have approached that if we got a full season in? Might have been near it. I don't know if he would have uh, eclipsed it at the rate that he scores. But the playoffs, yes. You you can't deny, in terms of the points department, he kind of disappeared. 15 games, two goals and an assist. So they did need from him. And he's always going to play good defensively, which he did. Uh, But you guys like him, you need some more points from him. Not, you know, you don't need him to be... Like I think the one comment said, you know, 11, 12 points would have been, would have been, I think a lot of people would have been happy with that. So the thing with Nachuskin is coming into the season, I can't even remember what that goalless streak he was on. It was hefty. And he went the first 16 games of the season with a single point, and it was an assist. So that goalless streak just had to be weighing on him heavily. So after 16 games, he had an assist in the second game of the season. Uh, But like I said, after uh, the first 16 games, that was his only point. In game 17, he had another assist. In game 18, he had nothing. And then in game 19 is when he finally got the monkey off his back and scored a goal. And after that... He kind of was pretty consistent. So he had a goal after that, and then he an assist, and then another goal. And he was scoring goals at a, pr- a really pretty good clip for him. And if you, you have to wonder, man, like if he just didn't get off to that poor start, you know, with just the one assist, really the two assists over 18 games, you know, he could have been pushing 40 points easily. So, but you have to take that in consideration when you're giving somebody a grade on their season. So, that start to his season, his postseason, um, are the negatives. The positives are once he got going, he was he was a, a good player for the Avs. His defense is great for a forward, and those are the positives. And just the fact that you know he came back, people had written him off. And the Avalanche took a chance on him, 
And, you know, in the beginning, you're like, eh, maybe this might not work out. But that's why you play a full season. So it's so tough to grade him because, like I said, you have to take all that stuff into account. The opening of the season, the playoffs, but kind of, I guess, having a, a quote-unquote resurgence in his career and and playing well. And, and the Selkie voting, I think, shocks some people. So I have to go, man, I'm going between C-plus and B-minus, but just because I like the guy, I want to give him a B-minus. So and and the Avs rewarded him with a, a two-year deal, and another guy. You know, we had a lot of new players last year, and so many of these guys now that are coming back for their second season. Now they're a little bit more comfortable. I just I, guys like him, you know, and Burkowski. We talked about him a lot in today's show. Those two guys are, are now that they're settled in, um, and they don't have anything to worry about for a couple years. I think. We're going to see some some special things from from those two guys next year. So, all right, who do we have for tomorrow or not tomorrow for Friday's show? Uh, next on our list for voting is, and this is the issue we run into when we uh, do these things for you know only like three three days a week. Uh, I think this is our first player that we're voting on that's no longer on the team. So Matt Nieto is up next. So. Um, there might be some feelings coming into this for some people who were really big Matt Nieto fans, but he is next up and that will go up later today and we'll get to his vote and the results on Friday's show. All right, everybody, that's going to be it for today. Thank you for tuning in today and every day. Check out Locked On NHL for any news going on around the league. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Here's Jovi. Go, Abs, go!